This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. Anthony Reich, a very good morning to you. How are you? Bokhir Tov. Um, I wanted to start, Howard, with um, saluting our female lady soldiers who are serving in the IDF right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that they deserve some special mention because of the amazing a fortitude and the amazing commitment that they serve our country. And I want to do just try to explain to the listeners what I mean by relating a story about a, a lieutenant colonel who is in the permanent force and based at military headquarters in Tel Aviv at the Kiria. And uh, we'll call her Yael just for the sake of this conversation mm-hmm. because um, her name is not publicly known and her story of October the 7th was published and I thought it was worthy of, of relating um, because it's just an incredible story. Um, she was woken up early on the morning of October the 7th to understand that she was in a military crisis and she describes her morning by saying, I got up, I read my the message on my phone, I jumped into my car and I sped to Tel Aviv at about 160 kilometers an hour to be able to get to the Kiria to military headquarters as soon as I could. That was mm, Saturday mm, morning. Mm. The next piece of her story says, on Monday afternoon, I realized that I hadn't had any conversations with my children at all. And so I tried to call them and I had a few moments just to speak to my oldest child. That was on Monday. She says, on Wednesday, I understood that I was calling up the reserve unit in which my husband serves. And an hour or two later, he called me to say he's going and that he is leaving our five children with his parents. And then she writes that she remembered on Thursday afternoon to call a friend and ask her to buy a balloon and a gift for her child Mm. who was celebrating his birthday on Friday. Okay, now that's obviously not the parenting that we are accustomed to, but this was an emergency situation and the commitment of her and other members of our armed forces is phenomenal. Um, I had the good fortune to meet with a group of soldiers yesterday and one of the things that I noticed as they were coming in and out of Gaza is the um, female soldiers, combat soldiers, the way they carry their weapons, because sometimes that weapon is almost as big as they are. Yeah, yeah. And, and yet they carry it as if though they're wearing a piece of jewelry. It's kind of just so part of their existence and so, so part of their being. There's nothing uncomfortable about it at all. There's nothing out of the ordinary. There's nothing that's strange about seeing them and the way they interact. Um, and one of the things that, um, the female soldiers do bring 
is just a sense of sensitivity um, and we notice that um, the hostages are being received in the most part mm, by mm. Um, female soldiers and they are being hugged and their hands are being held and they're being embraced not only by that particular soldier who of course is representative of the IDF and the rest of the country but in such a sensitive way um, they, they bring a certain dynamic to our army that otherwise would be really lacking and I would personally just like to pay tribute to all our female soldiers who are so committed and who don't really get differentiated. I mean, they're well, that's what I wanted to ask you. How, how does it work in terms of female combatants? Are, are they uh, are there specific units? Are they mixed units? How does it work? All of the above. There right. are some mixed units. There are some units that where things are separated. Obviously, there is an element of sensitivity. Uh, facilities need to be created and certain um, uh, considerations need to be given uh, for our female combat soldiers where you know men can be dealt with in a much easier sort of way we need to be a little bit more sensitive um, for our female soldiers and there's certainly an attempt to do so and um, you know just to mention also at this stage that there was once a time when in the army certain roles certain jobs certain responsibilities were not made available uh, to female soldiers and I'd like to mention at this stage former South African uh, Alice Miller who really blazed the trail for our female pilots and 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 navigators in the air force because Alice Miller made Aliyah from South Africa at the age of six with her parents and in 1994 she wanted to be admitted to pilot training course and she was told because she was a lady that she was not allowed to and she took this to the high court and the high court ruled in her favor opening the door for, for ladies to become pilots and navigators in the Air Force. Unfortunately Alice herself couldn't pass the medical and she never became a pilot but others did in the in the wake of, of the work that she did and the court decision that she managed to get. Um, and so that was a real um, opening. And in the same way, certain combat units um, were not made available to female soldiers. And now they have insisted that they have the right to at least try out and match uh, the, the requirements that are, that are set for admittance to those units. And there are not one or two, but numerous females who are serving in combat units and do so with the same level of responsibility, no differentiation at all. all. They have the same um, jobs to do as the boys and they do it fantastically well and they bring just a little difference Mm, to mm. the army and to the atmosphere and I think that it's a a really, really great thing that they're there. They do numerous jobs across the army, important jobs, a lot of training jobs, by the way. Many of, for example, our vehicle drivers or our tank drivers, will you, you will find have been trained by female soldiers. They are trainers. They are excellent trainers. Or our paratroopers who jump out of airplanes, many of them are being trained by female paratroop instructors. They have amazing jobs, and they do an incredible, incredible job of it. Indeed, they absolutely do. It is 7.50. Let's talk about the latest with regard to the hostages. Uh, mm. where, where are we with this? So a further 10 hostages were released yesterday, um, most of them elderly women, um, one or two teenagers and also some Thai foreign workers in addition to the 10. Um, so I think there were 12 all in all who were released, including the Thai foreign workers. Um, and... It seems as if, though, this is likely to continue today. 
um, and potentially even for uh, a further period of time. Um, we're not exactly sure how long, and um, I'd like to have a discussion with you if we have enough time to talk about what the considerations are in terms of potentially extending the truce and continuing to receive hostages back. But one of the things that's become apparent very, very clear as these hostages come home is that the sooner they come home, the better, because they really aren't um, in such good health, especially the, more, the elderly ones. We've already had uh, a number of people come back home in wheelchairs and uh, on crutches, um, not being uh, well treated. We understand that the medical treatment is almost non-existent while um, the hostages are in, uh, in captivity. Uh, we understand that there was uh, some uh, attempt to even drug some of them just to keep them calm, um, sleeping tablets being held, yeah. handed out, and in fact some of the hostages gladly accepting them. Absolutely. There were stories circulating that uh, sleeping tablets were cut in half in order that they would be able to be shared out amongst the hostages just to allow people to be a little bit calmer and to, to manage to get some sleep. Some horrific stories about barbaric treatment dished out to our hostages. Women and children kept in cages for periods of time. A 12-year-old boy being forced into a room to watch video footage of the massacres that took place and that he was threatened with a pistol if he cried or if he responded to the video footage that he was being shown. Stories of a, a, a teenager being held in a room all on his own for 16 days, 16 days, mm -hmm. a young child being held in a room on his own. And then, of course, the stories about those hostages who have finally been freed and happy to be freed only to come home to understand that there is a new nightmare that they face. And I particularly talk about Noam and Alma Or. Noam is 16 and Alma is 13. They were taken into Hamas captivity and released a couple of days ago. They've come home to discover that their mother is no longer alive. They didn't know that until they came home. They were in captivity for 15 days looking forward to seeing their mother again, and she's no longer alive because she was killed in the massacre on October the 7th. So they faced a new reality with their father still in Hamas captivity and their mother no longer alive. They have a new reality to face, and this is a new nightmare um, that these uh, children are having to face. And then, of course, we've got still the ongoing story of the Bibas family, uh, including mm. young Kfir, yeah. who is now 10 months old, and his sister Ariel, who is four, and their parents, who are AWOL, away without any sign of any life. We have no idea where they are. Uh, Kfir is the youngest captive. He has been the youngest, youngest captive all along, and there's no sign of them being released. Um, there was an, an interesting uh, ceremony yesterday in Tel Aviv where orange balloons were released to signify this baby who continues to be in Hamas captivity, and there is just no sign of this family uh, or, or them being released. So um, the hostage situation is very, very bittersweet. We are happy to have our hostages home. They have new realities to face when mm. they come home. Mm. And they have nightmares that they have to get over. One uh, young girl, a nine-year-old Emily Han, thought that she'd been in captivity for a year when she came home. And apparently um, her father says that she was conditioned to be silent while in captivity. So these are things which unfortunately are very, very difficult for us to hear and that these hostages are going to have to get over 
now that they're back at home and have the love and support of their families and others around them. Um, this is going to be an ongoing process for these hostages to have to get over this real nightmare that they've had to mm. live through. And I would imagine they'll never get over it, but they'll have to just get through it and somehow incorporate it into who they are. Uh, Anthony, what is the what is happening now in terms of the extended truce? Will there be one? Won't there be one? It seems to be a very, very tentative time for uh, for this particular for, uh, for for the truce and uh, for, for so, the ongoing operation. Yeah, I mean, yesterday I was thinking to myself, if I was the Prime Minister having to put my priorities, how would I put these priorities down? What's more important? There is little doubt that we somehow have to get rid of Hamas or at least give Hamas a, a fatal blow of some sort that they are no longer the organization or anything near what they were um, before all of this took place. Um, there is no doubt that we have the priority of our hostages. Um, and yesterday, unfortunately, we had the terrible news that three of those soldiers who we thought were in captivity are in fact no longer alive. And the idea formally announced that they'd passed away. Um, and it seems as if though their bodies are currently being held, Hamas. So the priority of our hostages, whether dead or alive, also needs to be taken into consideration. And, of course, we have the issue of Hezbollah on the northern border. And let's not forget what's going on in Judea and Samaria, where the IDF is very, very active. And a lot of work has gone on um, during this time in order to neutralize uh, terrorist threats there. So what mm. are these priorities? And I would say to you that when I see the condition of these hostages coming home, the time is ticking on those hostages who are currently in captivity and who remain alive. And we need to somehow work to get them home sooner rather than later. For me, that is the most time-sensitive priority and probably needs to come first. Now, um, is it right that we need to be exchanging 10 hostages for 30 prisoners for another day of truce? Um, I think the price that we have to pay is open for discussion, um, but ultimately... Um, I would say that we are willing to pay a very heavy price in order to get the hostages out of captivity and to avoid any further suffering mm, that they've had mm. to go through. Some of them are, are without medical treatment that they desperately need, medications and things like that. We need to get them home. And I would say to you that alongside safeguarding the safety of our soldiers who are deployed out there at the moment, still in Gaza and still holding positions, we need to secure their safety and we need to get our hostages home. So I, th I would say to you that if I was making the decisions, and thankfully I'm not, um, I would put the, the, the coming home, the repatriation of our hostages, probably at the top of the agenda and just do it, even if we have to pay a heavy price. We can destroy Hamas after that. Mm. And I think we mm. should do so. That I think should be the next step. Um, of course, every day that goes by makes it more difficult for us to go back to operations. Well, that's what I was thinking. That was my, my concern is, is I think in theory most people would agree with you because what's the difference if you wait another three days, uh, get more hostages out and then continue? The problem right. is the longer, the longer it, uh, the war, the longer this is, is paused for, the harder it is to do that. The global pressure is going to be immense. 
not only global pressure, but indeed internal pressure, because let's not forget that many of those soldiers who are holding positions in Gaza at the moment are also fathers and also employees in companies around Israel and have jobs to do and have situations at home that they are giving up on at the moment. And so the pressure internally also will build about those people and to what extent we can afford them Mm, to continue mm. just to hold position until we're ready to go again. While the war was going on, I think people were sort of um, more tolerant, but I think if we're just in a holding pattern, I think the tolerance will also begin to evaporate, and I think there's some justification to that. So we need to find somehow to have a a routine within a war situation to allow people to come home to have a break while being replaced by others and have a rotation system in order to keep the home front going, to keep the job market um, alive and to allow us to continue with the operation. But I think we somehow need to find a way to restart that operation in the face of world opinion, if that's what it comes to, and, and potentially even contrary to some of what some Israelis might think. But I think on the whole, most Israelis support the idea of going back to the operation and to really destroying Hamas. Exactly how we do that in southern Gaza with all the refugees there remains to be seen. And I don't think that's an easy um, question to answer as to how we're going to achieve that. But I think ultimately we somehow need to get rid of the Gaza metro, which is what the tunnels Mm, underneath mm. Gaza are commonly referred to, and to make it impossible for Hamas to return back to anything near where they were and to potentially to destroy them completely. I think that needs to be um, a a very, very high priority. Whether, of course, that happens or not remains to be seen. How the next few days of truce uh, will progress also remains to be seen. I'm not really sure, but at the moment it seems to be rolling from day to day. And all the time that hostages are coming home, I think we are okay just to allow it to roll. Now. Absolutely, and they, we leave it. Uh, Tokochaya says, "Kolakavota, female soldiers, may Hashem protect them all." Thank you uh, to them all. It is eight oh one. Anthony Reich, thank you as always. We'll catch you tomorrow morning for the Israel Report at seven forty-five. That Israel Report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Hi, it's Barry Cohen from the Blue Agency. Israel is currently facing one of its biggest challenges ever. All of Klal Israel is praying for the safety of our soldiers and the return of the hostages. We hope and pray that our soldiers and security forces will prevail and that they will all return home speedily and triumphant. We hold the hands of our clients and friends who have children serving in Sahal, who are protecting Israel and Jews around the world. May Hashem protect us all. Israel